I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I'm no, not you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor, a teacher, a clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble, and I know I'm in trouble. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Who we have tonight? Uh, I, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. The internet, social media, dating and rideshare apps all make life so convenient and fun. Swiping to meet up with someone new has become part of our daily lives. It's also how many unsuspecting people have ended up dead. I'm Courtney Bell. And I'm Jillian Lee Garner, and we're the co-hosts of the true crime podcast, I Met My Murderer Online. In each episode, we share a true story of one such deadly online connection and hopefully how you can avoid it. We hear from all who were involved in the case. The investigators. They discovered a victim inside the house. Victims' family members. Right now, it doesn't feel like life can ever be joyful again. And sometimes, even the murderer themselves. You have to decide, okay, what are you willing to do here? Are you willing to kill these people? If you're a fan of true crime, then you have to listen to season two of I Met My Murderer online. On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Chris. Hey, Bill. Did you call me back? Yes, I did. So I am recording this. I want to be honest with you. Then I will just say this right now. I don't really blame you. I do blame myself for my own actions, but I also blame your show for ruining a lot of people's lives for making mistakes. That is the voice of Bill Rowell. Rowell represents one of the most disturbing predator cases I've come across. Notably because of the grooming we saw in the transcripts. The chat between this 37-year-old and someone he thought was a 13-year-old girl. It was our investigation in Fortson, Georgia. In an unexpected twist, Bill Rowell gave me a lengthy and exclusive interview. He talks about what was going on in his life that led him to our stinghouse. Bye for your sting people and all that. I admit, I fucked up because I was drinking and depressed. He talks about the punishment he served. You get sent down the road to prison. You will be shanked. And his life today. I cannot find a job. 
because in my area there are no jobs that do not do background checks. You'll hear much more from Bill Rowell later in this episode. But first, let me take you inside the Georgia sting itself. When I look back at all the predators I've caught, Bill Rowell would have to represent among the most dangerous when it comes to men committed to sticking with the grooming process. In this case for days, through technical difficulties on our part, and you may recall what happened in our Georgia investigation where Bill Rowell showed up. I'll get into that in a moment. But this guy knew what he wanted, tactically groomed a perverted justice decoy posing as a 13-year-old girl. The decoy's name was Brooke. And kept at this for a period of three days, lengthy chats, talking about the different things that he would or would not do, talking about his other online relationships with teen girls who had become pregnant, all kinds of disturbing material. Bill lived in a long-term motel more than a hundred miles away from our sting house, which was in Fortson, Georgia, not far from Columbus, Georgia. It was a very nice house way out in a rural area, a little bit hard to find, but enough guys found it to make a very successful investigation. The Harris County Sheriff's Department was great. There was a task force, local, state, and federal agencies involved in the sting. And one of the things that I recall most about the Georgia investigation, besides the technological problems we had in the middle of it, is that the sentences were among the most severe I have seen. A lot like Florida, they don't play down in Georgia. Almost routinely, these guys saw some sort of jail or prison time. So, Bill Rowell is hanging out in his long-term residential hotel. His job is that of a maintenance guy who goes to laundromats around Georgia And he fixes them when they eat your dollar bill and you can't get your wash done. That's his job. But on this night, he was chatting online using the screen name Bear in Wolf's Fur. Bear in Wolf's Fur. He told our decoy with perverted justice, Brooke, that he was 35. He was actually 37. I'm not sure why these guys would shave a few years off as if a 13 or 14 year old girl would be more wowed by a 35 year old as opposed to a 37 year old. I'm not sure why they do it, but they do it all the time. Baron Wolf's fur starts out casually enough, but he knows right away the age of the person he's talking to. Now he'll also use the screen name Wolf Knight 30 when he talks to sassy little lady, our decoy named Brooke. The chat goes on, as I mentioned, more than three days and starts out clumsily, but then gets 
sexual. And by the way, if you do hear crackling in the background, I'm recording this episode on a family ski trip. So there's a fire in the fireplace, just FYI. But the work continues. At one point, Raul even mentions to the girl that he's concerned because a show called Dateline NBC has been doing investigations and sting operations catching adult men trying to have sex with children. But even that isn't enough to deter him. The chat begins by Bill Rowell asking Sassy, Brooke, how old are you really? 13 or 14, as if that would make a difference. 13, she says, why? That is what I thought. Yahoo has you marked as 113. Well, the reason that appears that way at the time on Yahoo is because Yahoo had restrictions and kids would routinely get around those restrictions by saying they were 113 when they were 13 or adding another digit to the number. Now, of course, none of this makes a difference legally because in the course of the chat, the decoy makes it clear that the predator is having this conversation with somebody who's underage. And that's acknowledged routinely throughout the conversation. It's also made very clear because the predator is supplied with a picture that is unmistakably underage and the predator must always first raise the specter of sex. I am old enough to be your father, he says. Single white male, Conyers, Conyers, Georgia. How are you today? My dad's in his 40s, she says. Okay, I'm okay, she says. Okay, I was just saying because I have been literally hit on by a 14-year-old girl. Literally hit on by a 14-year-old girl. He says this to a 13-year-old girl as if he's somehow being targeted in the chat rooms. About two weeks ago, he says. And he starts in typically grooming, as many of these guys do. Are you looking forward for school to start back? This is in July of 2006, by the way. In the middle of this investigation, there was a wildfire in California. And the Yahoo servers actually went down because of that wildfire. So here we are in the middle of an investigation, and suddenly we can't use chat rooms in Yahoo, which at the time was our primary target area. And so not only could we not track the predators who had been chatting with perverted justice decoys, we couldn't continue our conversation. So we didn't know where they were. And we actually stopped the investigation for a few days till we could get it all sorted out and come back. And in the meantime, we had one on-site decoy who was working with us, who was no longer available. We had to bring in another one. And she's seen in this particular original episode. Young woman of age who looked younger, she answered the door in a robe and a towel wrapped around her head. That was very exciting to Bill Rowell, by the way. There's more talk about the area where the girl is now living. She's recently moved there with her mother. He sends a picture. She says, you look like a big teddy bear. Yes, I am, he says, but I am a wolf lover. He knows he's talking to someone who's 13, but I am a wolf lover. 
Now, there's a double meaning there, obviously, because he talks about his love of the animal, but he's also opening the door, probing a little bit in a sexual way. He talks about getting a tattoo one day of a wolf. He talks about where he lives, his job, more about wolves, how hunting them would be a $20,000 fine, but it's okay for him to have this conversation online, which is a felony. I live in an extended stay hotel, he says. How come? That doesn't sound like fun living in a hotel. He says it's cheaper for me. I pay about $700 a month and I have cable, internet, phone, electric water, and once a week house cleaning. Wow. Knows how to live. I'm a service tech. I work on coin-operated washers and dryers. We talked about that a little bit. And Bill Rowell continues with somewhat mundane conversation. He's trying to build a relationship with this 13-year-old girl. He talks about his drinking, but how he's trying to taper it off because when he was a boy, his mother used to beat him. Apparently, she was a drinker. The girl, the decoy, confides that her father was a heavy drinker, too. And that's one of the reasons why the mom left with the girl to move to Georgia. Now here comes the sexual part of it. Anything you want to ask me? And I do mean anything. Do you bite, she says? LOL. Yes, yikes. Not hard, I nibble too. Next question. Now what? Your turn to ask, she says. Did you have a boyfriend when you were in Ohio? Nope. Guys didn't even bother to talk to me much, because I'm not super skinny. When you get older, boys will nibble on your neck. So again, he's pushing further this sexual narrative, probing, opening the door to see if there's a possibility that he can come visit this girl for sex when she's home alone in her house in Georgia. Then he wants to know her size says he doesn't like really skinny women. This is a girl, by the way. I wear a 12, she says. You are fine. When you get older, they will start looking at you. Talking about these other boys. If I was 22 years younger than I would, you would what? I'm not big on skinny women. Afraid to break them. Another sexual reference. Then he talks about how she's got to be careful online. Well, guys my age that go to see a young girl like you are normally pedophiles, misspelled P-E-D-I-F-I-L-E-S. What's a pedophile, she asks. Someone that has sex with a minor. Oh, but I am not one. I am not one? In about three days, this guy is going to get into his suspicious-looking white van and drive 113 miles to do exactly what he was warning this girl could happen if she stayed online. And this is what these guys do. They create a record along the way that in their twisted minds makes them feel protected. Okay, if this is a sting operation, if it is Chris Hansen, if it is the sheriff's department, this is going to be my excuse and this is going to be my out. Well, that's not the way it's going to play out for you, Bill. Not happening. Not on this day in Georgia. More about this predator I've caught 
in a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Goes on to say, I am being nosy. He's testing the water some more. Asking about other things she's done or wants to do. More talk about a previous girlfriend he had. Had to get a restraining order because she was a little bit unstable. And then there is an offer for a phone call. That's right. Bill Rowell gives this decoy posing as 13-year-old Brooke his phone number. And in fact, there's a call, which we have here. Take a listen. Hello. Hey, is this Bill? This is the only one that it can be. <laughs> well, you never know. I could have punched in the extension wrong. Well, 301 is 301. <laughs> well, it's Brooke. I think of that. You're the only one I've told to call. <laughs> well, what are you doing? Nothing. Just chatting and watching wrestling. Chatting and watching wrestling. It's so creepy to me to hear these guys' voices on the phone, knowing they're setting up a child to rape them. Someone that age can't give consent, so that's what this is. They justified by saying, well, she said it was okay. She said she was interested in becoming sexually active, but it's not okay. It's illegal. There's no gray area here, Bill. He has also suggested that he himself was actually a virgin and that somehow he might experience this newfound sexuality for the first time with this girl. Yeah, that's not a problem, but we can just sit, sit and swim and watch the movies. Sit and swim and watch movies. During the course of the conversation, the decoy has said there's a hot tub there, a pool situation at the house in Georgia. And cuddling, that's it. That's the only intention that I plan on happening. Okay. You say that like I'm supposed to be scared or something. No, no, no. It's just that I'm just trying to reassure you. Oh, okay. Dateline actually tries to set people up like that, so that's the reason why. Uh I, I'm very wary about meeting, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's actually, okay. And he makes another admission that someone tried to set up a date with him to meet, and he found out it was an undercover police sting. We don't believe that, but it's his way of trying to make sure he's not walking into something just like that. Because I've actually, someone actually tried that before with me, and turns out that... Really? Yeah, but it turns out it was an undercover. Wow. So I told him, uh, no. <laughs> so I'm I'm putting myself out there. Yeah. Because I don't, I mean, I'm, I, I talk online just to talk to people. I, yes, I am looking for a relationship, but 
when it's time when I when it happens it happens when it if it does then I'll be happy but until then I'm I'm just out there being me just happy out there being me hmm being me is about to get you busted Billy but uh yeah what would you like to know about me <laughs> I don't know do you like wrestling a lot it's alright I mean it's not the best I mean it's about the only thing that's on TV right now too so um, like how much longer is the show on for? Are you busy? No, I'm not busy, and it's got 10 minutes, but I'm not worried. I can talk okay. as long as you want to talk. Yeah, that's because he wants to make this girl comfortable. This is about the second or third day into the grooming process. People get really crabby when they're watching a good show, and they're like, they don't want to talk and stuff. Oh, no, 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 no. I want, I like talking. Okay. I, I might be different in person, but I like talking. <laughs> Go figure. But no, I, I have, I have no secrets. I have no regrets. I, mean, I do have some regrets, but that's my own, that's my own thing, on my regrets. But for the most part, I have no secrets. I have nothing to hide. And then he reiterates there was an incident online where he thought he was trying to be trapped someone was trying to put words in his mouth in some sort of a police sting operation but he was too smart for that what he's really doing is trying to make sure this is not one of those investigations and he's seen dateline to catch a predator he explains all this in the phone conversation how did you know that it was a cop did they just like tell you hey i'm a cop no they are not allowed to say that it's oh. just, it was just the way that that they were uh, talking, trying to ha have words come out of me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because uh, if you if you ever watched Dateline and you saw the uh, the Internet Predator thing, you'll understand. Uh, they what they do is they uh, set guys up with a model. A, a model? model? Yeah, models. Uh, a young. She's like nineteen, but she looks like fourteen. Yeah, and guess what, Bill? That's about to happen to you. It's not a setup, though. You did all the criminal activity. She is a model, but she's paid to do this. Mm -hmm. she's, she's like 19, but she, they pay her to act like she's 14. And they even put her on webcam and everything. Oh. Sounds like Bill Rowell has seen our predator investigations more than once. But it's actually a company that she works for uh, that tries to find uh, end up predators. And then they set them up with the police department around there. Oh, okay. But what they do is they had they tell the lady to tell them to come back. And the, the lady tells them to come into the house, that they're changing clothes and all that. But yet, when they get there, the dateline's in there to report on them just as, they le just as they're leaving. 15 cops come out of the woodworks. Can you believe he's saying this? This is on the phone conversation prior to him arriving at our stinghouse in Fortson, Georgia. And he's seen the shows, the previous shows. And what he describes is exactly what is about to happen to him. And somehow in his twisted thought process, he believes that because he's laid all this out there to this girl and she hasn't 
reacted in a way that made him suspicious that the coast is clear. Now, he's going to say later that he just came to check on the girl, but he'll do something else on the way. I'll talk about that in a minute here that further makes the case against him. Yeah, so that's that's another reason why I say I'd rather have you meet me at the driveway. That's right. He's thought this through. He wants the girl to meet him at the driveway. Now, she'll come to the door. And by this point, he'll be so invested in fulfilling this fantasy of having sex with a child that he'll go ahead and hustle up there. So the person that, I mean, I'm not a violent person or anything like that, but so I actually can see the person, not it just a voice, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's no turning back for Bill now. There's some more chat online. And then he heads 113 miles from his extended stay hotel to our sting house. But on the way, he stops at the gas station not too far away. What does he buy? Condoms. There's only one reason you need those. And we know from the chat and we know from the phone conversation, you just heard it, he had only one thing on his mind. If what you've heard shocks you so far, join us back in a moment. Now we're watching as Bill Rowell pulls up in his van, hops out, and here he comes. Now what he sees standing at the door is an unbelievable find in his mind in that particular moment. It's an attractive young woman wearing a white robe and a towel around her head. In his mind, I mean, this is what he's been looking for. And he's already talked about having sexually oriented chats before. He's already talked about having a friend who was 14, girl got pregnant, all this is in the chats. So I'm really looking forward to having my face-to-face chat with Bill Rowell. I really am. And the way he's walking up, I'm thinking, I'm going to get this guy to take a seat. Listen to what happens next. Come on in. I'm just finishing getting ready. You didn't have to get take a shower. Well. You heard the decoy. I'm just finishing getting ready. What does he say? You didn't have to take a shower. He's wearing dark colored shorts and a white colored sport shirt. Now he's walking up our sidewalk. The decoy has moved to a different location for a lot of different reasons. Security. We don't want him to get too close. And because he's moving so quickly, I get the sense that I'm going to have to step in pretty fast here. He opens the door on his own, walks right in, doesn't seem one bit nervous. Where's she And as always in Georgia, there's sweet tea if you want it, Bill. You don't have to. He's now sniffing around this house. He wants to know where she's gone. What? I can't, can't, sit, I can't go to your room with you? Well, that ruined the surprise. That's right. Wow, I can't go to your room with you? Like he's offended? He wants to start this party. 
Well, that'd ruin the surprise, she says. And he's moving around the kitchen and he's coming really close to the room where I am, along with my security guy, Ronnie Knight, and some of the television crew. I decide it's time to go. I walk out. He sees me and does a button hook out of there. Actually, I'd rather for you to come. Oh, sir. Sir, I need to talk to you a minute. He knows exactly who I am. I follow him almost to the door. All he'll say is, nope, nope. Now, he doesn't get very far, as you can imagine, because the task force of law enforcement is waiting right there. They take him down. He doesn't fight it. Get on the ground! Get on the ground! Now! Hands behind your back. And while I was very disappointed that I didn't get the chance to speak with Bill Rowell, we do have the interview conducted with him by the law enforcement detectives on this case. And he continues to claim that he wasn't going to have sex with this girl. And it's shifty, unconvincing. He's overwhelmed. Take a listen. Who are you here to meet tonight? Brooke. Her name was Brooke. How old is Brooke? Brooke says she was 13. He admits he was there to meet Brooke and that Brooke was 13. He's got handcuffs on. He's sitting on a chair across the table from detectives and prosecutors. Got his hands folded. Knows he's in deep trouble. Was my intention to have sex with her? No. And he volunteers that it was not his intention to have sex with her. Now, they're going to fill him in on a few things here, including the fact that they have the security video from the Chevron station where he buys the condoms. Did you uh, stop down here at the Chevron gas station and purchase condoms? Yes, right, but my intentions were because she asked me to bring condoms. I had the condoms just in case, but I, my intentions were not to have sex. Ebity, 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 ebity. Now, she wanted me to bring the condoms, and I brought the condoms because she wanted me to bring the condoms, but my intention was not to have sex. Tell it to the judge, Billy. We only buy condoms for one thing. To have sex, I know. So that's why I'm being charged with being a pedophile. He admits that this doesn't look great. Says that's why I'm being charged as a pedophile. Well, you you don't get charged with being a pedophile. It's illegal to be a pedophile, obviously, but the crimes are different. Having to do with soliciting a child, having to do with attempted sexual assault of a child, lewd and lascivious behavior, that sort of thing. The detective educates. Corporal Knott's here or acting like you'd come down here and, and try to have sex with someone yes. who's not consenting. And that's not what we're talking about at all. We know good and well you wouldn't have forced yourself on Brooke. And this is where his story gets fishy at best. My intentions were not to have sex, but if the opportunity was there, then yeah. But I, my intentions were not to go that route. Mm-hmm. His intentions were not to have sex. If it happened, it was okay. Now, you know, these guys still think that as long as... They don't force sex on this child. It's okay. Well, it's not. Children can't consent to sex. And his intent was to have sex with the child. And that's illegal. So that's the reason I feel like I'm being tricked. That's why he's being tricked. Well, no trick here, Bill. Raul is taken to the county jail and ultimately processed. He appears in court. He, like many others in this particular sting operation, pleaded guilty with attempt to commit statutory rape. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison, four were suspended, 
10 years probation. He ended up serving about two years and nine months, Georgia prison. He got out and he's still on probation until 2027. And as far as we can tell, he's moved to another part of Georgia, working as a laborer and is living with his parents. I was able to locate a contact number for Bill Rowell. Hello? Hello, Bill? Yes? Bill, it's Chris Hansen. How are you this evening? Why are you calling me? Well, I wanted to follow up with you from the time we met in Georgia several years back and check in and see... I have no use to talk to you whatsoever. Okay. You fucked my life up. No, Bill, you fucked up. You're the one who chatted online with someone you thought was a 13-year-old girl and then showed up at our stinghouse in Georgia. I thought that would be the end of any discussions with Bill. But just a few minutes later, he called me back and went on and talked and talked and talked about his addiction to alcohol, his depression, his time in prison, and he takes responsibility for his actions. Hey, Chris. Hey, Bill. Did you call me back? Yes, I did. So I am recording this. I want to be honest with you. Then I will just say this right now. I don't really blame you. I do blame myself for my own actions because I was depressed and I was drinking a lot at that time. I do blame myself, but I also blame your show for ruining a lot of people's lives for making mistakes. Some of those people repeated those mistakes. A lot of us have not. But I'm just saying like this. I screwed up my life, and we all screwed up our own lives. I screwed mine up because I fell for your sting people and all that. I admit I fucked up because I was drinking and depressed. Well, I appreciate that, Bill, and I appreciate you getting back to me so that you know I do a podcast where I go back and try to talk to the fellows who've surfaced in it. I'm just telling you right now, I'm not going to answer any more questions. Okay. I do not want to be called anymore. I admit to my mistakes. I appreciate that. And it's cost me jobs. It's cost me not even to find work. I understand that. I've had jobs thrown back in my face. Owners of the company that I worked for them for years, they saw a re-episode of your show, and they let me go. Well, you can understand that, that, Bill, can't you? 15 years later? It's what I'm talking about. 15 years later. And if the people that are still on probation, they get probation violations and all that. For instance, I know for a fact, in the county that I got hemmed up at. Harris County. Right. There's down there in that circuit, court circuit, there are watchers that will, if they have a probation violation, even a technical probation violation for anything for a speeding ticket and it gets reported down there. They get violated. As soon as they turn the, uh, before they even turn themselves in or the day before they turn themselves in to that probation office's office, their episode gets re-aired on TV. When they go back to Harris County Jail, they get assaulted or their lives get threatened. 
Well, you can see how serious this crime is, though, right, Bill? Yes, we made mistakes, but it keeps on getting thrown back in our face when we try to we make a minor mistake with a ticket, and it gets thrown back in our faces, and we get threatened, or we do get physically assaulted, and we do go end up going to jail. Uh, while we're in jail, they physically assault us. Were you threatened our lives? Were you physically were you physically assaulted, Bill? I was threatened. Okay. And this was four years ago. Now you're on probation. You're on probation until 2027, right, Bill? No, 2026. 2026. And what have you been able to do to rebuild your life? I know you haven't reoffended, but what have you been able to do to rebuild your life, Bill? I have tried. I've even gotten married. Well, good for you. And I've been divorced because of the same situation. Because my wife at that time couldn't even have her 13-year-old daughter in the house. She couldn't even have pictures of her 13-year-old daughter in the house. But you see from the chats and the fact that you showed up and the fact that you stopped at the Chevron to get the condoms before you came to the house. I do admit that's a serious crime, a series of serious crimes, Bill. I understand that. And I'm telling you, I I admit to my mistakes. I admit I screwed up. I admit I was was not thinking clearly. I understand. I admit that. You know, Bill, we continue to do these investigations and guys continue to show up. In these scenarios, what do you say to anybody who is thinking about meeting someone who's underage online for sex? It's not worth it. You ruin your life forever. You're better off just, no offense, I'm not saying that I haven't thought about it. I'm not saying I have thought about it. But you're better off driving yourself off a cliff. Mm. Kill yourself because before you even spend Unless you go in complete protective custody, by the time you get you get sent down the road to prison, while you're in Dianoxus, the prisoners run the gangs, run the prison cells. You will be shanked. There was a guy that I was, he, he actually committed the offense. In the prison, in the prison where prison. you were. He was, a, was on my, in my dorm, on my same row, on my same tier. He was literally assaulted in his cell, shanked 26 times. They drug him out of there, dropped him several times from his prison cell to the stairs. Mm. Dropped him again several times going down the stairs. Then they literally took him to the correction officer's desk and dropped him right there, bleeding, possibly dying. I don't know. But do you know why prisoners feel that this is such a terrible crime? While I was in in prison, I had been threatened, yes. I've actually gotten into a couple of fights, yes. Did you deserve what you got, Bill? In a way, yes, I do feel I deserve what I got for my improper my inappropriate thinking to a point I did deserve some of the sentence the judge that got us he was up for uh, election year so was the sheriff he did this he they sat around they waited for him 
strictly for the type of judge he was. He gave us basically, if we did not plead guilty to our charges, he had strictly planned on giving us everybody the maximum he could possibly give us. I was the last one arrested in my sting operation. I was the first one sentenced. I also got one of the hardest sentences. Everybody else that got that was talking to the girl more, threatened to do more to her, they got lesser sentences than I did. Do you think that was because you were the first one to come before the judge for sentencing? Yes. And he was going to make an example out of you for the crimes yes. you had committed? Yes. There was a lieutenant. I forget his name. There was a lieutenant that was arrested with me. He was arrested in the same thing. He only got a 10 year sentence and only had to do two years. He was processed at the correction center and they released him while he was still on these corrections. Can you convince me, Bill, that you have not offended again since this particular offense? I have not met any uh, teenagers online. I don't have a Facebook. I don't have a MySpace. I don't have a Twitter. There's other people with my same name, but I do not have those accounts at all. And here's the thing, Bill. In the conversation with the decoy posing as the 13-year-old girl, you even talk about Dateline and to catch a predator and how the investigations work. You weren't completely accurate, but you knew about it, yet you showed up anyway, Bill. Um, yes, and in my head, I kept on saying I wasn't going to do nothing, wasn't going to do nothing. I literally don't know what I was going to do. Improper, like inappropriate thinking. And like I said, I was drinking a lot. When I was living in that motel, I was constantly, I had liquor galore in my motel room. All I had, all, I had three cases of beer I kept in my refrigerator. I was constantly drunk when I was off work. And do you think that contributed to your poor decisions and your actions? Yes. yes. And you because spent you spent drink. you spent at least three days talking to this person you thought was a thirteen year old girl. You got very sexualized and, and there was a grooming element to this that was very disturbing. Like I didn't realize I was grooming. Well, I read the transcripts uh, the first time and I read them again for the podcast episode. It's disturbing. You talk about all sorts of things. What you wanted to do to her what she had done in the past. You had claimed that you were a virgin at one point. You said you were 35 when you were 37. Not that that would make a difference here, but gosh, Bill, it's it's hard to fathom why somebody would do that sort of thing. I don't know why. I'll admit, I don't know why I did that. I truly don't know. I Like I said, I was drinking a lot at that time. I don't know what I was going through in my mind. I was depressed a lot. Okay. I was seriously depressed. And are you off the booze now? I don't drink. I cannot drink. It's a, it's a violation of my probation. I will take drug tests every day of the week to prove to, that I'm not drinking. And I think this is the important part, Bill, and I know you have other things to do this evening, but I do want to no, make I this don't. point. I'm unemployed now. Okay. I'm unemployed. And you blame this criminal conviction. I cannot find a job because in my area, there are no jobs that do not do background checks. I cannot work anywhere around here because they all do background checks. One job I even started working for, the 
company I worked for, I'm not going to mention the names. I've had a few different jobs. They knew about my situation. I went for another company after I left them, and I was not fired from that location. I quit and started and went for another company for better money. That company now does background checks. I cannot go back to them because of background checks. Even though my situation was over 15 years ago, almost 20 years ago, I cannot go back to them. The company that's across the street from them, applied for a job, I got the job. Started the next day. The service manager, parts manager from that location used to be a manager at my other lo- one of my other locations. He knew about this situation and told, and he, since he did not like me, he used that knowledge against me because that's a, that is a violation. He used that knowledge and told the owner of the company about it. And instead of properly going to the sheriff's office and doing a background check, he looks online to the sex offender registry and types in my name and reads and does that. And he even says in a clause on the cannot use to withhold employment, to discriminate or anything like that. Right. He did it anyway. I was let go less than four hours later. Let me ask you this. If a prospective employer hears this, what do you want them to know, Bill? When they find out about this, they need to actually pull that employee, the potential employee in and sit down and physically talk to him. Get Try to see his understanding. Try to see what he was going through at that time and work from that part on. See if he's had any violations of his probation afterwards. See if he's done anything wrong whatsoever. See if he's done anything like that. And besides that speeding ticket in 2010, you've had no other contacts with the law? No. Is there anything else, Bill, you want people to know? I'm just stating the facts. I admit I screwed up. We all make our own mistakes. There are some of us that will own up to our own mistakes. There are a lot of us that don't. I admit I screwed up. I admit it. I bl- I blame myself. I blame my depression. I blame alcohol because I was depressed and drinking a lot. If anyone was to, I have to hold this, I can hold myself accountable to my mistakes. Well, Bill, I appreciate you talking to me and I sincerely wish you the best in your future. I'm very glad you have not reoffended. I know this is a difficult conversation. I know it was difficult the day we came face to face, and I appreciate you being honest and brave enough to speak to me. That says a lot about you. And you will probably not hear from anybody in my other... There's... I I can't even talk to friends. I don't have any friends. I don't have any family anymore because of this. I'm the black sheep of my entire family because of this. No one in my family wants to even be around me at all so it just hurts me I appreciate that and I appreciate you talking about it and I hope you get past it and I hope you get to live a real life well it's like this now that I'm unemployed I gotta turn myself in because I have no job that's also a violation of my probation so you have, to, you have to you have to turn yourself into the authorities because you don't have a job. Yes, 
because I've lost my job, I can't pay my rent. I'm about to be evicted. I have nowhere to go. Now, there are going to be a lot of people who say you deserve this for doing what you did. I, 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 I happen to think personally, I'm just being honest with you. The reason why I lost my job was because of medical, because of my diabetes. I see. Because of my drinking that led to my diabetes. Right. So it wasn't the, your, your past involving the predator investigation? No. Okay. It was so medical. that's a little different. It was metal. That, otherwise, I was working every day. I was showing up early every day. I was leaving late every day. I would work six days a week, Monday through Saturday. I didn't have to be at work till 7 o'clock in the morning. I was at work at 6.15 in the park lot, in front of the building, waiting for it to open. And as soon as I was able to go inside and clock in, I'm on the clock. I have a camera on me working. I would stay working all day long. I did not leave my company. I did not go any out to my car, car or anything like that. I didn't. Leave, we got off work at three thirty. I wouldn't leave work till five o'clock. Working when the plant manager would shut us down every day. And then on Saturdays, I would come in at six thirty in the morning and leave when we were told to leave. I did that every week. And I did that job from 2017 to recently. Well, I appreciate that, Bill. Thank you for your time. I wish you the best. And feel free to keep me posted along the way. That will not happen. Okay. I'll be honest with you. It will not happen. Well, I appreciate the time you did give me and the insight into this. And I think other men considering acting out in this way will take heed. At least I hope they do. If they actually are thinking about this, they're going to continue to think of it. If they don't get themselves checked in or seek therapy now, when they get locked up, the federal laws are so, the laws on our, in this situation makes it 10 times worse, especially considering a murderer has a better chance of getting a job than we do. Well, that's because that's, that's, a, that's an especially horrific crime assaulting a child. It doesn't matter. It, murder is still murder. Crimes against children are still crimes against children, yes. But they have a better chance of getting a job for killing three to four people than someone with a criminal intent charge. Well, a lot of people think that's appropriate, Bill. i got to be honest with you. And in certain situations, yes. I admit I screwed up. Some of these other people that did the same thing, they may admit they screwed up. But there's also a lot of people that did this at feel like they are still innocent I meant I screwed up I meant I got what I deserved but if I'm trying to move on past this I don't keep on needing this thrown in my thrown back in my face literally thrown back in my face every damn time alright Bill well again thank you very much try to have a good rest of your evening I appreciate the fact that you took enough time to talk to me. Uh-huh. Bye now. Bill Rao, a predator I've caught. Let me know what you think about that interview. As always, I like to hear from you. And this week's question comes from Cassidy down in Alabama. Hey, Chris, this is Cassidy from Birmingham, Alabama. I just want to say I'm a huge fan. I grew up watching To Catch a Predator, and I'm so thankful for you and everyone who helped in the mission of getting these predators off the streets. 
and getting them labeled as predators. I'm just curious, in the episodes from Dateline, most of the decoys were 13 to 14, and sometimes they were even 12. Is there a reason that decoys now are between the ages of 15 and 16? I assume that in the eyes of the law, a minor is still a minor, and it doesn't make a difference in the grand scheme of things, getting them charged and everything. But someone trying to meet a 12-year-old definitely adds an extra layer of creepy gross for me. So I was just wondering if you could let us know if there was a reason that they changed the ages or if it's just where you're doing it now instead of it being on Dateline. Again, I'm a huge fan, and thank you so much for reviewing my question. I hope you have a great day. Thank you for that, Cassidy. Your observation is correct. In the earlier investigations, we did sometimes test the envelope by using a decoy profile that was really, really underage, 12. And we had men attempt to meet 12-year-old girls and boys for sex. I guess it's sort of shifted to a little bit older. We still do 13, 14, 15, but never older than 15, just because it becomes a clearer case to prosecute. And I suppose there was some thought that Maybe it wasn't a realistic scenario, having done so many of these investigations, to have a decoy posing as a 12-year-old. We still do it on occasion. And yes, it does have to do with the varying law enforcement agencies with which we work. Perverted justice is no longer in existence. And so the decoys today are always employed by law enforcement. And this is done for a couple of different reasons. One, it doesn't allow for defense lawyers to argue there's something awry with the chain of evidence, the chain of custody of the chats, because it's always been with the law enforcement agency. When perverted justice was doing the work, sometimes defense lawyers would say, well, wait a minute, how did it get from perverted justice? Could have been altered. And, and now, because the chats are always conducted by law enforcement decoys and always kept by law enforcement, even though we get copies, that issue goes away. It makes for a, a more solid prosecution. In some states, the age of consent is 16, so we don't use that. Sometimes there'll be a decoy who says, I'm 15, gonna be 16, whenever. But we typically don't have a situation where the, the child is 15, 16, and the potential predator is 18, 19. It's too close in age. It happens, and there have been some cases that have been prosecuted that way. But we try to stay away from anything that could be viewed as a Romeo-Juliet situation. Even though, and I've said this before, you could argue that the same level of danger is presented by an 18 or 19-year-old as presented by a 38 or 39-year-old. But that's why, Cassidy, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Make sure you check out my interview with Dr. Parminder Jaswal. The first part is out on True Blue, and the second part is coming soon. My streaming crime network, TRUBLU, watch TrueBlue.com for details. It is one of the most compelling and interesting interviews I have ever conducted, and it is the only, the only, in 20 years of doing predator investigations, the only in-depth face-to-face interview that I've done with somebody who's been caught in a sting after they've gone through the justice system. He is brutally honest. 
and it's something everyone should see and hear on True Blue. You can find me all over social media at Chris Hansen on Twitter, official Chris Hansen on Instagram, TikTok, even Cameo. And as always, right here at Chris at PredatorPodcast.com. I'll be watching and listening.